everybody. Welcome to the new series of Epiphanies with Janetta. And this week, I am delighted to welcome you to Rochelle Hanslow. And Rochelle and I met a few weeks ago through the journalist side of life. And when I read what she's been through and what she's done about it, and the amazing story that she has, I just knew we had to have her on this podcast. And the bravery uh, to, to step forward and talk about what she's been through uh, has the potential to help many people and many people in the future. So without much more ado, ladies and gentlemen, Rochelle Hanslow. Hello, Rochelle. Hello, and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it and your time. It was such a pleasure to have you. Let's hear your story. Yeah, um, as said, I'm Rochelle Hanslow. I'm a chronic illness and mental health writer. I am a self-published children's author and I tackle mental health issues and life issues within that for children. And I am ambassador and writer for Emmy Support UK, which I have been doing since 2015. But I only took over the blog um, fully in 2021 in the January. Okay, and uh, what got you there? What what was this? What was the journey that brought you to that point? I've been chronically ill for the last ten years now. Um, I started to see my illnesses in twenty twenty and twenty twelve. Sorry, um, but it wasn't until February of twenty thirteen that I was actually diagnosed. Um, so it's been. A roller coaster the last 10 years and that's when I found Louise and that's when I started to want to get my story out there on the chronic illness side of things because it's not something that's had much awareness around it and there's still a lot of stigma and there's a lot of judgment around it still. So when you say there's judgment and stigma, I know there's a lot of listeners and uh, viewers who are going, what's the chronic illness? What's the judgment and what's the stigma? Do you want to give us the, the path, the journey, where it started and, and, and what it brought you to to be judged? Yes, um, I have a plethora of illnesses. Um, I have Emmy. I have fibromyalgia, and with those comes uh, costochondritis and hypermobility. I have severe asthma, um, and these all kind of correlate with each other. Um, it means that I have to live a life of pacing my energy because even a full 12 hour sleep, if I was lucky enough to get that, I never feel replenished. Um, so I could sleep for three hours, I could sleep for 13 hours, and I would still feel very much the same in my energy levels. Um, and the stigma comes along because there's not a lot of medical evidence with it. There's still a lot of research going into the biomedical research on all the illnesses. But doctors and scientists just can't agree. The medical world is still in a place of not really believing a lot of patients. And that's why there's the campaign of the millions missing, because there's people been going through this for 
myself 10 years, some people 25 years, some people more than that. And they've just had the stigma all their lives. You get called lazy, you get called worthless. Um, there's people who say to me things like, oh, you've got ME, that just makes you tired, right? Well, we're all tired, so what's the big deal? And it's, it's the pure lack of understanding. Um, and there's a lot, not enough, a lot of acceptance either for it. Right. So in having been diagnosed with all of this and walking that walk and, and feeling judged, what is it that you've been able to do to make a difference to it and with it, uh, either to yourself or to the world at large? Where have you stepped into? Um, in 2014, I became an ambassador for ME Research UK, and that involved doing a lot of kind of charity events and things to try and get awareness out there. And it was really successful. But at the time, I started to feel like the social media presence just wasn't there. And it was always the same people donating, and it was always the same people supporting me. And I just didn't feel that it was fair. So I, I stopped that there. But I'd already been in touch with Louise at ME Support UK. And she had said that she was looking for an ambassador. And I signed up with her because she's such a wonderful person. ME Support UK has been going on for 21 years now. She does that through her own energies, her own illnesses, and out of her own pocket also. Um, and she's been given advice and information for the chronically ill community all that time. So I wanted to try and help her also. So I came on as ambassador and I did some articles and shared my story on there. I did um, some reviews and things for her. And then it's just kind of gone from there. She shared those things and, and January of 2021, she came to me and said that all the articles and reviews that I've done for her have been so highly thought of that she would really appreciate if I took over the blog for her because I had done some blog posts on a sporadic period as well. And it was an honour to think that my voice was helping people because that's my main why for everything that I do. It's not about money, it's not about materialism, it's not about anything like that. I want to be the voice that I needed along this journey and my childhood and any capacity that I can be that person for someone to think that they are not alone and that someone else understands, that's just everything to me. Wow, so you've used it powerfully. You mentioned before we... Uh came on on to the show that uh, within your family there are a lot of challenges and then with the lockdown scenario it was difficult to juggle but that you very powerfully managed to come up with a plan what did that do for you being stuck in in lockdown because I know for me and and my my partner Andy I mean, we were in a fairly new relationship and having to um, be with each other 24-7 really tested us so much so that we're getting married because we, we did amazing things together because of, 
uh, of COVID and that really it was like being under house arrest, wasn't it? So what was it you were dealing with and what, what, what did it bring about that's worked? Well, firstly, congratulations. Thank <laughs> <laughs> um, you. Yeah, obviously, as I've said, I'm chronically ill, um, but I have a husband who is neurodivergent. He has um, ASD, which is autism spectrum disorder. He has ADHD and dyslexia. And I have two sons, uh, one who is six, and he is also neurodivergent. He's on the extensive waiting list at the moment for formal diagnosis. But in school um, and at home, we treat him as he has ASD um, and dyslexia. But we wouldn't be surprised if he gets a diagnosis of ADHD also. And we have our youngest, who is my wild child. He's my spirit animal. Um, as wild as the howling wolf, um, but has the biggest heart that you'll ever know. Um, so they were obviously younger in lockdown. Um, my eldest was just about to finish nursery and go into primary school. So not only did it mean that he didn't get a transition between those, it's a neurodivergent person not getting a transition into those. So that was a huge challenge for us all. But the resilience that he showed was just incredible. And um, my heart burst with pride at how he handled it. Of course, it was difficult for everyone, um, but he he's excelled and he's really thrived in his education. But I make sure that I'm always behind him and getting the support that he requires because again, because he doesn't what they say, quote unquote, present as an autistic person, he masks quite a lot, um, which means he's trying to just be what other people perceive. He ought to be. He ought to be, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so I make sure that they are getting the help for him. And um, that's been a tiresome battle, but it's, it's happening and I won't back down because he deserves that. He deserves to thrive yes. and he, he's doing so. Um, my husband during lockdown was made redundant, um, like many, many people were. So again, it was dealing with neurodivergence, but also he became quite depressed. And with his, the way his neurodivergence affects him, he often feels like he's letting people down, that he is very, can be very negative for him. And losing the job was a, a huge thing. He felt like he was letting his family down. And even though my husband and my son can come across as quite cold and unfeeling in a general way, they're not at all. And I feel that a lot of the times they can actually be hyper emotional. We just don't see it. It's all kind of in the mind. So it was, it was very difficult. And they obviously both, more so my son, thrive on structure. And because he wasn't getting the structure during it, I then had to provide it. So I was being mum, I was being teacher, I was being supportive wife, I was chronically ill, I was trying to do things for myself as well um, and make sure that I didn't face burnout because burnout for me means flaring and flaring could be weeks, months and sometimes even to a year of just not being able to get back on your feet. 
So it was very difficult. But for us, I think it made us realise that there was things that we had been doing that we ought not to be. Because I find, as a neurotypical person, I focus on perfectionism an awful lot. And you can't have that pressure as yourself, but also on neurodivergent people. And uh, the pressure comes with a lot of responsibility. And it's just, it's not good for the way that you can communicate because you expect them then to give you the answers and you've got all this pressure building up inside of you and you want them to have answers now. And that's just not the way that it is with, with my husband and my son. They need process and time. They need, even for communication in a relationship between me and my husband, it needs to be an advance. So I need to say, um, I feel, I'm feeling some things. I want to work some things out. Would, you know, tonight be a good option? And even then we start via message so that he can build up to it. And then we go to face-to-face conversation. So during lockdown especially, it was difficult for me. I didn't feel like I had an awful lot of support. But the relationship between me and my husband got a lot better when I realised all these things that I had been doing that I needed to let go of. And that's been a huge bonus from it our relationships are all better there's still obviously work to be done there always is because you're constantly changing um, and they then have to adapt to that change but it's been wonderful the other thing that was going on for me was um in the end of 2018 I lost what I call my doggy soulmate um it was Vader and he was with me from 2008 And he got me through so much darkness, Um, a toxic relationship before my relationship I'm in now, and obviously chronic illness. And he became so good with me that he would wake me up in the middle of the night knowing I was going to have an asthma attack. Um, Or that I was, if I was having a really bad day, he didn't leave me. He sat right by my side. So you deal with a lot of grief in life being chronically ill you deal with it every day and in different situations but the grief that I felt when I lost him was incredible I I was never ready for it and even to this day there's still days where I just miss him so very much there's just no words to describe how much I miss him and when he passed I realized that pet bereavement is still quite a taboo subject out there and I wonder why because we all have I prefer to call them family funny members family members um but we all have pets who we adore we spend so much time with people now have social media accounts for their pets and it's something for me that just blows my mind that not many people want to talk about that aspect or know how to approach that aspect because it comes along it's just a part of having the pet and especially with my son being neurodivergent 
I was trying to find a book because he likes the visual, but we're a very book family. Um, and there wasn't anything that was heartwarming. It was all very cold and matter of fact. And I just thought, no, I, I can't do that. He's not going to respond well to that. So I told, told him in my own way about my beliefs of rainbow bridge and um, seeing rainbows and just to give him a fact that Vader's never going to really leave us. We've got the memories, but he's always going to look out for us. And that's been something that's really helped them. And with that, I had the idea of a children's book. And I sat with it and I sat with it. And then at the end, well, mid-2020, during COVID, I just thought, you know what? I've got nothing to lose and possibly everything to gain. So I did it. I, did, I wrote the book and I'm very lucky that my husband is a very talented graphic designer. So he managed to illustrate it all for me. And instead of going through the harrowing experience of trying to get, you know, publishing and things like that, I thought, no, I'm going to do this myself. So I self-published it. And I had some really great uh, feedback from it. And I was really quite taken aback because I didn't expect it. And one thing throughout the book for me as well was to make sure that it was all inclusive. Because again, with the neurodivergence in my family and the dyslexia, there's not a lot of authors who kind of seem to cater for that, especially for children's books. And it's not just the child who could possibly be dyslexic, but the adult who's reading them. And I know from, for me, my husband gets very embarrassed if he tries to read to my sons because he's, he's slower. And that really broke my heart because they're missing out on that bond. They're missing out on the bond of reading together or bedtime reading. And it's because he's embarrassed. He doesn't want his sons to see him be lesser, um, which I don't feel he is, but that's how he feels. So I thought, I wonder how many other people kind of don't do this because of that aspect. So I've made sure that all my books, I now have three, um, are neurodivergent friendly, dyslexia friendly, and they're always in large print for visually impaired as well. That's amazing. Wow, Rochelle, what a journey and a pathway. And I know uh, there are many more stories to attach to all of this as well, which uh, have the potential to help so many people. So what we will do is we'll put in the links to your books uh, so that people can get hold of them. They're obviously available on Amazon, are they? They're available on Amazon, yes, and they're available direct from me also. All right, marvellous. We'll put all those um, those bits and pieces in so that people can can contact you and get the book and I just want to say it's been an honor and pleasure to have you here today thank you for sharing your your story and um, I look forward to having more interaction with you again in the future thank you so much I really appreciate your time and for this wonderful experience you are so welcome see you again soon thank and you. see you again soon thank you bye-bye Bye.